All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week we are reviewing the movie Psalm, which is the first documentary that we have reviewed. And we are doing it at the request of this week's guest, which is Rob from History in Your Hand. Rob, welcome. If you'd like to tell people about yourself and about your work on the different social media platforms. Yeah, look, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, I'm Rob from History in Your Hand. I, uh, I guess, primarily have the the YouTube channel and um, Facebook History in Your Hand page and TikTok and pretty much everywhere where you can, where you can make videos. And I, uh, I, I try with a lot of my videos to kind of link them to something that people will know, like TV shows or movies, which is why I was, um, quite interested when you guys invited me to do this. So, so yeah, hello. It's great to have you. So I guess my first question is, uh, what made you choose uh, this movie for the for this week? Well, so when when you guys got in touch, I was thinking about the different movies, and I um, a lot of the stuff I do um, with my channel is uh, is World War One or World War Two, and it's not to say that I would only do that, but those are the main two things that I do. And um, I thought World War One, you guys have done some World War One before, I've seen it, but I I, um, I think you've done more kind of World War Two than 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 World War One. So I thought I'd go with something World War One, and a lot of people when they think about world war one will know about the battle of the somme and there are actually very few um i think good movies that that really depict the battle of the somme but this is is my favorite one and it's uh, as as you've mentioned it's kind of like a docudrama sort of half documentary half movie um but it's it's a great a great movie i think for somebody who wants to learn something about the somme and documentary aside it is really good as a movie in its own right so that's that's why i picked it yeah when uh when jack first told me about the choice that you had come up with i i hadn't seen it um so this was my first time actually viewing the movie and a couple of minutes and i'm like wait a minute is this a documentary (laughs) and uh you know it, it took me aback a little at first but um you know with it doing that kind of half documentary half you know kind of drama film you know if you took out the narrator from this film it it almost could be its own standalone film just as it was so i mean it's it's very good and i i especially loved how different this documentary really is i mean there's definitely a lot of documentaries today that are that kind of try and take the approach that this film did. Um, But, you know, it still does that typical like history channel, like we'll do a dramatic scene and then it cuts to, you know, some stuffy professor sitting in his office talking about it Um, versus this, you know, it, it never cuts away from the people actually involved or it never like cuts away from the story. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely, and that and that that was that. That's it for me. I mean, I and I first watched this quite quite a long time ago. I think it um I think it came out like two thousand five, some something like that, two thousand four, yeah. two thousand five, and um I probably watched it a couple of years or so after that. So so a good while ago, but it was really before I was um as into the history of World War One as I am now. And and more than anything, it gave me the hunger to to want to learn more about it. Um, 
um and that's that's what i love about it much like um like band of brothers did for for world war Two, and um it had that same kind of impact on me so jack had you ever seen this movie before nope <clears throat> what'd you think of it it was interesting i like the um at the end where it talks about each character and what happens to them and if they survived their life after the some some am i saying I that found... right so yeah some some yeah the battle of the some yeah that's that's Got the it. right way yeah see us being the the typical americans we <laughs> we're not good at pronouncing stuff that we weren't involved in <laughs> well, that, the battle that was of the Sami. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was part of why I picked it as well, right? Because it's you know there there are some good World War One movies now, when we're seeing more, right? Like you know all, all Quiet on the Western Front and uh, 1917. We're seeing we're seeing more, um, but I, I didn't want to pick um, one of those. I think you've done All Quiet on the Western Front before, and um, we did the a... we did the 1930s version of it. So. Oh, did you? Okay, okay. I, I, yeah. I kind of assumed you'd done the newer version. Okay, okay. But if you, if ever you do one of those two, you've got to try and get Paul Reed. I don't even know Paul Reed. He does a, um, a podcast called The Old Front Line. And he has done some fantastic work where he's really compared like 1917 to, 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 to the factual history. Um, and he, he I, I didn't want to steal that opportunity from you guys. So the Somme the som is the way to go. Yeah, we've done a couple of World War One movies. We did The Lost Battalion, which is obviously mm. an American film. Um, and we did the original All Quiet on the Western Front. And it's kind of funny you mentioned we've, we've done a lot of World War Two movies. It's, it's honestly so hard to keep clear of World War Two movies. Not that there's anything wrong with them, like we love them. But, oh, yeah, you know, you, you could just do episode after episode when it comes to World War Two. And so there's there's been times where when we sit down, we'll be like, okay, it's either gotta be before or after World War II. Like that's our, our dividing line <laughs> for picking a movie sometimes. Nice. Well, like you say, there are so many great World War Two movies, right? You can't, you know, you don't, you don't want to avoid them, but, but there's, there's so much to, you know, I think so, so much interesting stuff to learn. And, and the, the thing about World War One more than, than anything and 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 you get stories in all aspects of history but with world war one there are so many stories like individual um personal stories that really hit home and and that and that's what the som is all about and 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 that's why i thought it'd be a um a great one to share with you guys so looking i've i've reviewed some of you know the work that you've put forward and and you've actually been to the battlefield correct yeah i've been so the Somme battlefields i've been to um yeah quite, quite a few times um and and i've i've made so so the uh, th this this movie inspired several of these specific videos i have on my channel so you know the um some of the main characters in this are captain charlie may um cyril jose that i have done specific videos on on those stories because while this while this movie does a great job with those stories it doesn't it doesn't talk about large sections of their stories cyril jose for example in the movie his story finishes when he gets wounded in no man's land but his his story of that day went on at hours beyond that point and so i've i've um i've made some videos all about that stuff yeah yeah, he, he was yeah, shot I in think... the first five minutes. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so he was um, as as with so many guys. Um, so I mean, I, I believe it's something like twenty thousand casualties in the first hour, um, more more than that. And um, as with so many guys, yeah, he was wounded in in the first five minutes. He left his trench at seven thirty, um, and by seven thirty five, he was laying wounded in no man's land, uh, where where he stayed for twenty four hours. It's either a terrible piece of luck or a really good piece of luck because you know getting wounded to the point where he couldn't advance may have very well saved his life in the end four inches yeah, away oh, yeah. he would have died yeah yeah literally it's you know i think he was i think he was hitting the shoulder i believe um yeah. and yeah that was you know yeah yeah absolutely i mean the you know the the casualties from from the summits you know horrendous i mean we had the the british had sixty thousand casualties on the first day of the somme um twenty thousand of which were killed so he he um he beat some pretty tough odds to to survive that and and he and he was in the first wave so he was he was right at the front of it if i remember correctly and maybe it was a different individual but wasn't he the one I, I was struck by one of the characters that they had read some of his personal letters about the experience of laying in no man's land. And at one point he starts yelling out for stretcher bearers. And uh, the the narrator for this individual, he's like, yeah, I finally broke down and had a, a bit of cowardice and, and called for medics. I'm like, hold up, isn't that their job? Like, <laughs> since, since what is it? being a coward to to call for a medic when you're hurt yeah no totally yeah no that's um so 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 actually that's um uh sergeant uh tawny who is the okay um the, the yeah the other character no but you're, you're totally right same same situation yeah he was um uh yeah but that's no exactly right he was such a um i, th I think what they tried to predict with a lot of the characters um uh his character and and charlie mays was that kind of um feeling of pride that that the guys had back then and respect and he kind of talked about how he almost almost by laying wounded he almost felt like he'd lost his self-respect um which is crazy when you think about it what's the guy supposed to do right he he's he's right. laying wounded in no man's land so yeah well it's like uh it's like that we, we've talked about it before on another episode, but it's, it's kind of that like quintessential stiff upper lip mentality. Yeah, yeah, it, it literally is. And, you know, they um, whenever you see kind of British World War One stuff, the the officers are often sort of depicted as as that the kind of stiff upper lip. And, um, you know, there the would have been a bit of that because a lot of the a lot of the officers were recruited from the the upper classes. You know, and so so that 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 would have been the case a little bit. There the, the would have been some of that, certainly. I. Uh... The thing that kind of that really struck me with this movie, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, when they're telling the, the true stories of these guys, there's a lot of scenes or moments in this particular film that you see get translated over to other pieces of World War One media, such as when the lieutenant is, uh, he gets pretty much pinned down and stuck in a giant shell crater and he yeah. spends pretty much the the entire day of the battle there and um 
you know, he's just surrounded by other dead soldiers. And then there's one soldier that comes up and he's like, which way are the Germans? And then he immediately gets shot. Um, you know, it's very reminiscent of like the crater scene that we see in all quiet in the Western fronts. Mm. Um, so I just, I found it interesting that stuff that you would consider to be kind of dramatized for the sake of art or fiction is, you know, being presented as true facts here in this film. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, the the guy, um, the the uh, le- lieutenant, as I'm gonna as I'm gonna pronounce it for um for uh, for the for the British, of course, is um uh, Lieutenant Bundy. That was who who was um uh, trapped in no man's land. And yeah, like you say, it's a true story. It's um he he was, and, and I believe with um it's uh, Alfred Bundy. I believe that was his first time going into combat, and so that's uh. You know that's that's one heck of a day for your first day going into combat and yeah he was um yeah, he was stuck out there in no man's land for i think i think the whole day and um and then managed to work his way back after dark i believe i uh i don't know if it was appropriate but i did get a bit of a chuckle you know as jack was mentioning he appreciated the like end of the movie like the little cut cards of this is what happened to them after the war and his cut cards like he made it back to the line was immediately promoted to captain (laughs) yeah yeah that's right yeah and there was um there there was an awful lot of that you know guys who who had been into combat then getting you know getting quick promotions um largely because the difference between having led men into combat versus having not led men into combat was a huge experience difference in that situation and um also because a a huge portion of the officers especially that that level of rank the the lieutenants um the captains um were were killed and so they they needed a lot more of them very very quickly so yeah there was a lot of that yeah yeah well they if i remember correctly didn't they say that the british lost about like a third of their forces that day during that offensive yeah the um yeah the percentage of the forces i i i i wouldn't know that on the top of my head but yeah it, it was a a huge portion i mean we had i believe it was something like you know best part of two hundred thousand kind of went into action in in the somme of course there'd have been you know there'd have been other men and uh, you know not directly related into the battle of the somme at the time but um yeah it was i mean it was a huge portion it was like um five or six times the 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 number of casualties that had been predicted for for that battle and of course that was assuming they would have success which they did not so yeah right. well it didn't didn't everywhere yeah, I think success is a very loose definition in this war. Yeah, t- yeah, totally. And it's uh, if you look at the, the 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 Captain Charlie May story, they talk about that. That technically was success. They um, one of the very few sections along along the Somme front line where those guys did get to their objectives. They um, they talk a lot in the movie about Danzig Alley, and and that's the. Um, the trench that, that the guys had been tasked with capturing and they, they did capture it. But uh, the, the 22nd Manchester's as captain Charlie May was, was the captain of um, they lost about, you know, 700 guys, something like that. So, so like you say, success is um, a loose word in that situation. Jack, what was uh, one of your favorite character arcs in this movie? 
Hmm. It was the commander, right? The one that made it to the line and was like, every German I shot at, he fell down. Except for that one guy, I shot at him like five times and he wouldn't go down. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't mad that I couldn't kill him. I was mad I kept missing. <laughs> yeah. That's that's Tawny. Yeah, he was um he was actually I, I believe when the war um first started, he was actually an objector to it. Uh but then um because of the kind of reports of like atrocities that were happening where um when Germany invaded Belgium, he he decided it was the um uh the right thing to do to to volunteer and and, and go and fight against it. If I remember correctly, I think at the beginning of the film when they are doing the different individual uh, introductions of people, I think, wasn't he the one that they described? He's like, before the war, he was a Christian socialist. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I heard that, I was like, oh, what? And, you know, that, that, that was where I was like, thanks to the modern technology, of smartphones and whatnot, I was able to Google it. I'm like, oh, this is a subsection of like British politics, or it was a religious movement that became a subsection of British politics. And I'm like, what's the direct translation to this? And literally like two sentences down on the Wikipedia page, it's like, this is most commonly associated to United States, like Hutterite colonies. I'm like, well, that's, that's super helpful. So <laughs> yeah, he, um, yeah, he's a, he was a, a, an interesting character, right? He's because all, obviously all of it's based on the writings of, of those guys. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's interesting hearing the, just the language they used in their letters and stuff is obviously very different from how we, um, from how we talk today right yeah like the the one letter that they wrote is like i only have time for a couple of lines because the post is going out soon war is hell give mom my best <laughs> yeah that was cyril cyril jose right the the young the young guy yeah yeah, yeah. i uh i greatly appreciated his his story arc especially in the beginning because you know with him, we get to see that kind of stereotypical, like training montage that we get in a lot of war movies and military movies, you know, where he like is unenthusiastically doing bayonet drills. Like he just walks up to a straw dummy and just like kind of pokes it. And then, you know, the, the officer in charge of it is like, no, kill him. Yeah. Yeah, no, he he he's probably my favorite character in it actually. Um, you know, Charlie May is kind of I suppose almost like the lead character in it, but Cyril Jose I, I do like. I mean, he was, you know, we're talking a 15 um 16-year-old boy and uh, my I mean my 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 older one of my two is 16 and you think about the age of of those guys going and doing stuff like that and just the so some of his memoirs were written after the war, so he would have been at least a, at least a couple of years older. Um, but but some of it's from letters that he wrote, and even the way he articulates himself in the letters is um, way way beyond his years of, of fifteen sixteen. Uh, the the other part I I loved about it too is the um, you know when they're on the boat heading over to France you know they they really show his age where he's like he's showing the other people in his unit his family photos like here's my mom and here's my sister and you know they all start like giggling and he's like what and he's just you know snapping them back um 
yeah his kind of innocence for sort of you know what he was what he was heading into and that that's probably the thing i love about his character is his innocence almost almost through the whole thing where he's talking about you know oh we've been told it will be you know it will be nice and easy and you know we're told there might be you know a couple of stray germans who might snipe at us but we're you know we'll deal with them and and it's all so so innocent and even um i love the um the final the final piece for him where he does get hit and even then he kind of he gets hit and they kind of rounded off with a line from him where he says like uh oh i i guess it must have been that that stray german or something like that <laughs> even though the guy's surrounded by machine gun fire and everything <laughs> that that was that was good i think something that was really powerful was uh you know there's a scene where they're about to go over but the shelling is still happening and everybody's like cheering and whatnot and you know you have an officer yelling at guys to like get down from the top of the trench and then maybe a minute later the shelling stops but they haven't been given the order to to go yet and there's such a complete mood shift from like like fuck yeah we're going to own this this is going to be easy to oh wait yeah this like because, you know, th even though this is, this is probably like the first major offensive, they're not blind to what has happened, you know, the year and a half, you know, previous to this. Like, you know, going over the top of the trench was almost always equated to like instant death. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, no, that, and th there's, there's a lot of stories talking about that. I think probably what they're, what they're trying to depict in that part of the movie is there, there are so many, um, you know, stories of guys who, when they talk about it, talk about, about that moment when the British artillery stops because they, the, um, for the week previous to, to the first day of the Somme the british had been shelling the german front lines for you know for days and days and days well for, for a week you know hun hundreds of thousands of of shells and then it stops and and it's that moment and guys have talked about how you know there was just a a bizarre silence that that was almost kind of shocking where they haven't had silence for so long and um, lots of stories about how guys could hear birds and and things like that in that moment where they were waiting, and that's what they the guys kind of stood there and he's like he's shouting like come on let us let us go because they're they're so like het up and ready to ready to move, but they've just been held in that in that moment. And to be fair, I think you know you know. In hindsight, we we look at the shelling in the Somme. You know, it was an abject failure where it didn't accomplish what it was supposed to. Like, it didn't destroy yeah. trenches. It didn't take out that many forces. It, and most importantly, it, it didn't destroy the barbed wire or yeah. a majority of the barbed wire, that is. But also, you have to imagine, you're like, with the amount of ordnance that, that they were sending over, it wouldn't be an unfair assumption to think, like, at the least, yeah, the, the barbed wire would be taken care of. But it's it's crazy how well those defenses stood up oh yeah it's crazy i mean the yeah the the idea was then that that's uh yeah i mean there's a the, the, there's a whole separate history podcast in talking about why it um why it didn't work but you're totally right the um the artillery primarily was supposed to of course you know kill germans in the front line that was a part of it but it was also supposed to clear barbed wire and it was uh, also supposed to take out the German artillery. And 
the big problems were exactly that it uh where where in a lot of cases they were using shrapnel shells as opposed to like high explosive shells they they didn't take out the barbed wire and in a lot of cases they didn't take out the the german artillery so they uh, well and the third one was that the germans were in most cases in deep dugouts underneath the trenches so as as depicted in the somme the um uh, uh Cassell, the german guy is the officer in the in the movie um when they're in that you know in the shell and they they come out from the dugout and and so yeah it was it was a combination the, the germans were still there the artillery was still there and the barbed wire meant that the guys couldn't just advance instead they were getting funneled where there were small gaps in the barbed wire which of course the germans aimed aimed their machine guns at I gotta say the uh, the bunker scenes for the German side were were also pretty intense. Yeah, like uh, you know, there's a moment where a guy comes back with like a loaf of bread, mm. and his his buddy's like, "Where did you get this from?" He's like, "There was a couple of people who didn't take their share," and you unless you're like paying really close attention, you don't realize the fact that what he means is that there's a couple of guys who are just dead and didn't you know didn't get their allotment of a ration yeah yeah that's exactly it yeah and they cut there's almost like a moment where he he kind of says oh yeah some didn't take their share and they almost look at each other like that 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 moment of realization that well you know it it could just as easily been us who didn't go and take our share yeah and in the same moment we we get the one and only fart joke in this movie and i think it's the first fart joke we've had in any war movie to this point (laughs) monumental because I, I don't know if you guys recall the moment when uh, like a shell comes in and it makes the light bulb short out and yeah. it goes and the one German soldier is like, oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> as a, uh, a, 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 a brown trouser moment, as we would probably say over here. Yeah. <laughs> and another monumental moment in this podcast history, the first time in history a Germans displayed anything resembling a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> They, I, they, I thought that was why good are they so they, angry all the time yeah <laughs> I, I i was pleased that they um that they included some of the german story in 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 it you know because the um again those couple of guys were um the 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 officer was um i think he was uh i'm pretty sure his surname was cassell i can't i can't actually remember the name of the other guy but um that they, they, they again that you know true stories real real memoirs from from guys who were there so um i'm glad they included those in it definitely do you think they're so angry because they have to live or worst on a regular basis or? <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that, you know, I don't either. It just, it doesn't sound stellar to me. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound <laughs> great. Does it? Who knows? Maybe it's the greatest thing ever. I, I might be wrong, but. <laughs> what was I going to bring up? Oh yeah. That dude is pinned down in no man's land. And then the other soldier comes up to him. Which way to the German line? Uh, that way. <laughs> Gets shot yeah. immediately. And he's almost—he's looking at him, kind of mesmerized. Like, how <laughs> how do you not realize where it is? Like, if 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 you think all that machine gun fire is coming from the British line, I'm afraid you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. God. I think that's the other thing I I really kind of appreciate about this film is just the, you know. Like in every other World War One film we get, like I said, going over the top of the trench has always been equated as like an instant death moment. 
versus this, you know, they they get up and they walk and they make it like a good distance in the no man's land before the Germans start opening up on them. So it's it was interesting to see that contrast of like that kind of like peaceful tense walk and then it becomes the the stereotypical World War One battle that we've come to expect in film. Yeah, and and so f- funny enough, with 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 this uh, with with the Somme movie and um, the uh, nineteen seventeen, people have talked about it as well, and they say, oh, but it, you know, it wouldn't have looked like that. There was grass, and there was, you know, all sorts. Well, it, with with the Somme, the. It, it, it probably wouldn't have looked quite that green in reality because the shelling had been going back and forth for for quite a long time before. But it was it was ground that hadn't been fought over yet, so so some of it wouldn't have been um, some of it wouldn't have been absolutely destroyed. And there are certainly um, stories of grass and uh, the, the piece they don't depict in the movie with um, Cyril Jose. The, in his memoirs, the his memoirs carry on, and his story of trying to get back across no man's land. He talks about the fact the long grass kind of saved him because he was he was crawling through the long grass, uh, dodging the the German snipers who had seen him trying to get back to his own line. So there certainly was some grass here. I think a lot of people probably equate World War One to the image that the most recent All Quiet on the Western Front movie. Did, which is that like everything is mud everything is craters you know everybody is walking around in several inches of standing water and you know it's like you said not every inch of no man's land was like that mm. yeah and and certainly you know i mean it, it loads of it would have been of course it would have been and um all quiet on the western front is they they don't really they don't kind of directly say but it it basically was based up further north um kind of belgium and around um uh, Ypres or Ypres. and so that that was ground that was just fought back and forth over the entire war all all that area and um certainly if you start you know moving into like the battle of passchendaele and those kind of things that was um that was mud 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 and rain 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 so yeah of course, this was in the summer as well. The Battle of the Somme was the first of July, so it was it was in the right. late summer. Not everything can be in the winter when everything is terrible. Yeah, that's it. That's it. What was that um, quote from the Great War? You can fight in the heat, you can fight in the snow, but you can't fight in the mud. Oh yeah, it is. It's yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know the one you mean. And that brief moment in the movie where he explains, like, oh, only there was a certain portion of the ordinances shot over that actually went off. Mm. And I was thinking, eh, that's not going to be their problem for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they they reckon like like one in five shells did didn't were, were duds. Wow. Something something like something you know as 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 maybe as high as that. You know, one you think about that, that's a huge percentage, right? So. You are uh, well, yeah, still find them in the ground today. Yeah, because there's, there, there's still sections of these battlefields that are completely prohibited from anybody going to because of how much unexploded ordnance there is. 
right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. If you go to um, a couple, a couple of the famous sites are, uh, you know, Vimy Ridge, um, the Newfoundland Memorial Park. In in both those places, they have areas which are um, are fenced off because they know there is there is a lot of um, live ordnance st- still in the ground. Yeah. I remember. I think this was within the last year, it might have been the last two years, but I saw an article, you know, there's an article that comes out every couple of months, you know, when it's a slow news day and it's like, so-and-so found live shell in this forest in France. And it's like, yeah, no shit. They like, (laughs) but this one stuck out. This one stuck out to me because it was farmer plowing field comes across, uh, gas shell and it started to go off when he hit it with like his tractor yeah and so yeah him living there obviously he knows oh shit this is probably what it is like if it was us here in america we'd be like what the fuck like um so this guy he immediately he just boogies on out of there calls the authorities and uh they show up and they removed the shell that went off and then they excavated a little bit around it just to make sure that they didn't miss anything or if there wasn't any, you know, just double checking. And uh, like a foot below where this shell was, was apparently an entire stockpile of like chlorine gas shells. Like, I mean, like hundreds of them. And I was like, oh my God, that is yeah, just insane yeah. to think about. Also, like, what is it like to to be just like a farmer or just a homeowner in France with like a, just like a standard insurance policy. Like, do they have a, like a gas canister clause in their like homeowners insurance? Where it has, it has a name. I don't know. I don't know if you've heard of the iron harvest, but that's what they, that's what they call it. So the, the large effect, but probably most of the battle of the Somme um, battlefields now uh, are farmland. And so every kind of spring and autumn, the farmers go out and plow those fields and they every, they find shells and, and all sorts and they they stack them up at the side of the road. And then there's like a special service that comes around and collects them up. And you, you hear stories of like, you know, a farmer who's used to this, you know, every day pulling his plow along, hit something goes around the back oh this this 10 inch shell and like throws it to the side of the field and ev- everyone else who's watching is like running for their life and this guy is just oh this stupid shell and throwing it out the way and carrying on with his plowing you know <laughs> so it's uh yeah it's uh yeah it's called the iron harvest they, they they have it every year every year that's crazy to think about just just throwing shells onto the side of the road like it's a yeah. like a bag of leaves <laughs> Yeah, it is. And you still see them now. I was my recent trip. I was over in um, uh, a, a place just near um, just near Mamets in, in the woods there. And uh, there, there was a, a huge shell just just laying on the ground next to a next to a field, which I, I imagine the farmer had probably found and had put it to the side of the field. Yeah. And, and it was probably waiting for someone to be collected. The the, the, the rule is you can look, but but don't don't touch them. <laughs> you don't want to go too close. Jack, you ever find anything cool out on your ranch or uh, is it still kind of just barren out there? I found an actual hatchet one time just out in the middle of the field. Oh, wow. I I was going to restore it just to see if I could, but I lost it. And to this day, I have no idea where that hatchet came from because it was in a fairly remote part of the ranch. 
It was, un, it yeah. was dull, slightly rusty, but still a cool find. Jack's family cool operates a, a rather large ranch out in the Dakotas, so... Yeah, cattle uh, baron. <laughs> wow. So would that be land that was... Would it have had battles there in, in the past? I, I'm not... To, to, like the Civil War and stuff, I know a little bit about, uh, but not... Not Civil War. More more like our, uh, our Indian Wars. Yeah, okay. Wow. Yeah. Jerry's still out on that. I don't think there was a battle... But, um, so one day, actually, um, I just remembered this. I was out feeding cows with my dad and all of a sudden he stops his tractor and gets out of it and stands in the field. And I thought that was weird. So I drove over to him and I'm like, what's, what's going on? And he points in front of him and says, see, see those two divots right there in the ground. And they're like these two divots in the ground. And I said, yeah. And he said, those are the previous owners of land. Their names are Mr. and Mrs. Puts on his shoes. And he told me that that um, Mr. Puts on his shoes had braids in his hair and beads. And where they buried him, an ant colony made their home. And every so often the ants would dig so deep that they would find the beads and bring it up to the top and lay it on their nest. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of the most surreal moments of my life. <laughs> Him telling me all of this just out of nowhere one day. <laughs> it's wow. a heck of a story. But, that is, yeah. But as far as battles go, I don't think there was. Yeah, I think a lot of the fighting in the Dakotas was more on the, the western half of the state anyways. Mm. Wounded knee. That was a big one. Wow. I'd love to get over there at some point and do some do some videos on the um uh some some of the history over there that you guys have got, you know. It's obviously some of my other fellow history YouTubers. I know you've had JD from the History Underground on your on your podcast before. He's done of course loads of videos around those and it's um it's got right. me thinking I'd love to get over there at some point. Yeah. I uh see I live in Colorado and I didn't like obviously like Colorado is a part of like Western history and all that, but I didn't realize like how much stuff they had going on here until I actually moved here. Um, like the the weirdest story, or I don't want to say the weirdest, but one of the weirder stories is like a lot of our modern like animal cruelty laws that we have in the United States comes from an incident that happened here in Colorado. And it happened when Teddy Roosevelt visited a mine in this state. And uh, it was either a silver or gold mine. And he was touring this mine and there was a couple of donkeys that they had like deep, deep down, uh, basically acting as uh, like, like they would push the, the carts back and forth through these tunnels. And he asked, he's like, so when do they get sunlight? And the miners are like, what are you talking about? They just live down here. And he's like, this is bullshit. So he literally, after that experience, he like went back and told Congress, like, you need to make some laws. And uh, basically that's how our first animal cruelty laws came into effect. So after his visit there, basically 
these these donkeys that were in mines had to be guaranteed so many hours of daylight each day like they couldn't just like they couldn't just shove you know pack animals down into this cave for the rest of their lives yeah well i'm sure undoubtedly i'm sure we had stuff like that going on here as well right we had yeah mining in in vast parts of our country back in uh well around the time of the first world war we 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 had miners working down there so yeah definitely but yeah it's just it's crazy to think all these little different stories that you know exist everywhere oh yeah it's fascinating absolutely so i think it's that time of the show jack what are you drinking this evening well i was drinking a root beer but i finished it now i have no more root beer <laughs> was it your special what did you call the the root beer drink root jack time? root jack it was yeah jack, jack daniels, daniels with root beer. <laughs> i got him a genius so was it that or was it just a regular root beer no, it's just a regular root beer. Okay. But now I have no more root beer, and I'm sad. The real question is, is what kind of root beer? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna judge you very harshly on what the brand was. If I say A and W, would you? Yeah, it was A and W. Eh, I, I guess that's that's fine, as long as it wasn't Barks or something. In, no, I'm not a heathen, but. I'll, now that I mentioned, I'll be back in just a fraction of a second because now I want more root beer. <laughs> Rob, what are you drinking this evening? Well, so I, I I've gone for um I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to to alcoholic drinks, so I've I've just got a beer. But I um I thought seeing as we were going to talk about some some British military history, I made sure I got a British beer. So I know I know it doesn't work for the podcast, but I can show you on the <laughs> on the video. It is Camden. Camden Hell's Lager. It's from a uh, a brewery called the Camden Town Brewery, which is London London based. Um, just a fairly simple lager. Nice. You know, uh, I'll probably end up sharing a picture of the can or something to our uh, our social medias. We have a we have a recurring joke. We we have zero sponsors, but every episode we talk about people that could sponsor us. So if the, <laughs> like Camden the Cam- Hell. yeah, if the Camden Brewery would like to sponsor the show, we'd be more than happy to have you guys. It'd be it's a, it's a good beer. It'd be a good choice. I um I actually going to be controversial for 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 all of your British listeners. I, a, a lot of British beers are we have a lot of like ales and stuff like that in this country which I'm not so big on. I my my favorite beers are the beers that people would would make fun of me for. Um a, a lot of the American beers are like Coors Light, I like Bud stuff like that, but this is um this is a lovely beer, Camden Hell's Lager. Camden Hell's do other things, they do like ales and stuff like that too, but Camden Hell's Lager is a um, it's a good beer. It's nice. Man. See, oh. you, usually the 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 shtick on this show is I give Jack a whole lot of shit for his drink choices. And, uh, <laughs> oh I, yeah, Princess got, Yum Yum. <laughs> that's that's where I'm going with this. Is oh, okay. that uh, <laughs> the last time we had a British guest on? I got a taste of my own medicine. Uh, we had uh, the actor Matthew Leach on. Uh, he was in Band of Brothers, and he runs the uh, We Happy Few 506 podcast. Yeah, I, I know Matt. I've been on a few tours with him, yeah. 
So we had him on, uh, I want to say like a month or so ago. And when we were talking about our drink choices uh, that evening, I was drinking. Um, was I drinking Princess Yum Yum? I think I was drinking some sort of peach <laughs> peach drink. Yeah, I think I think you was it Princess Yum Yum. I thought it was. And, anyways, I was drinking. There's a local brewery here. It's called the the Denver Brewing Company, and uh, they make great great beers. And one of my favorite beers from them is called princess yum yum um <laughs> it's a a raspberry kolsch and the just the look of disgust that he gave me when the i look of, the look of english disgust <laughs> just well just, yeah so matt's from up north right so so the the, the that's that's prime <laughs> prime ale drinking country that is so i'm sure he uh i'm sure he didn't take kindly to that same as he wouldn't with me he'd call me a um a soft southerner drinking my, drinking my <laughs> lager i'm sure <laughs> and I, I was drinking some fruity beer as well. And he was like, that's how you get your ass kicked in England, ordering one of those. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, to make him ashamed of me, I have sat in my sat in my fridge. I haven't tried it yet, so I couldn't tell you what it's like. But um, my brother bought me for my birthday a, um, a bottle of peach bellini flavored beer so that that is sat in my fridge and i will um when i try it i will send you a photo of it so you guys can see what it was <laughs> so today for for myself be because i was anticipating getting some sort of british contempt for my drink choice <laughs> i uh I've I've drank this uh, drink on the show before, but it's called Musket Haze, and I am proud to say, although they are not our sponsor, uh, it's made by the Hackensack Brewing Company, who does follow us on Instagram. So at least we have that going for us. Oh, okay, that's something. Well, th th yeah. there's, there's potential it's a step in the right direction there, right? Yeah, right? there you go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's called Musket Haze IPA, and it's got this lovely. Um, Oh man, that's Ooh. a piece of artwork. Yeah, so um, the artist is called Trexler T Rexler. He, I have his artwork and his page shared on our stuff. But uh, for our viewers at home who haven't seen it, it is a wonderful mural painting of some Minutemen uh, cutting down redcoats at. Uh, wow, at the at a battle in the Revolution. So. We kind of went for an anti-British beer almost there, then. So yeah, <laughs> was that? It's also the only. It's also the only beer I had in my fridge. So <laughs> I need to. I need to restock. I originally I had started with a glass of wine, but I only had like an eighth of a glass left in the bottle I had. So I I grabbed two drinks because I was thinking, oh, France wine that'll be a good mixture. <laughs> but I think I think it is about time we we give this this film a rating. Now usually I don't know if you've caught many of our other shows, but we usually do a a custom rating for the films that we review. Um Jack, do you have any ideas what our our custom rating ought to be? Uh, hmm. 
You mean like jokes. instead of stars? Yeah, instead of stars. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Do you have any ideas, Rob? <laughs> we can go with what, 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 why, why don't we go with how many peach beers? That sounds like the way to go. Right? <laughs> See, I personally was thinking uh, pictures of sisters, but. <laughs> 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 all right sister pictures sister I pictures have, i don't have a sister but i'll make it work you know <laughs> you know it's odd I. because uh <laughs> this is the second time we've had this is the second time a world war one film has has made some sort of variation of sisters into the rating system because <laughs> for all quiet on the western front the original version our rating was one to five sister kisses oh okay okay so the British are more refined. They they only have pictures of their sisters. They don't they don't kiss their sisters like the, <laughs> the Germans do. So Jack, on a on a scale of one to five sister pictures, what do you give this film? I'd give it four sister pictures. What is your your justification for that rating? Hmm. See, I, I really did like the movie, and I had a good time with it. It just, I wanted more, if that sounds weird. And like the, where are they, kind of where are they now-esque ending. I kind of wanted to know more about the soldiers, and not just, oh, he was shot, went home, and became a communist. <clears throat> that one did strike me like one title card was after the war uh, he became a communist it's like <laughs> is there more to now. this statement <laughs> you want to like, follow that up <laughs> well that that's that's what makes it a fascinating movie right you've got you've got to 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 follow up the stories of them right um you know Ca captain charlie may sadly his his story ended ended right there but you know make sure like look up the stories of the other guys and and the rest of the stories i mean cyril jose probably has the the most fascinating story beyond the movie he um you know he he lay lay, lay in no man's land for 24 hours he had to to get back to the british front line he pretty much saved another soldier's life on on his way back across you know another guy who was too wounded to to go anywhere he he got him bottles of water and stuff and you know there's there's some great stories to um to follow up and even captain charlie may the the letters that they use in the movie that the there's a whole host of his letters it's been um it's been published into a book uh, his whole collection of letters and the book i forget what it's called it's called something like i think it's called fighting alongside friends or something like that um is the whole collection of his of his letters anyway i went off on a tangent sorry we're rating sister pictures right we're all about <laughs> tangents here <laughs> rob what uh how many sister pictures do you give this film i can I, I i can see where jack's coming from i i i'll go with a four as well and and i'll tell you i tell you why why i'll go with a four rather than a five i think it's a it's a a great movie anybody who wants to learn something more about world war one in general but especially the battle of the somme it's a great great movie to go and watch because it will ignite your hunger to to learn more and it gives you a really good understanding of what yeah. happened at the, the the battle of the somme but what what i think it could be is is it is all it's so close to being the thing that we're missing and that is a great movie about the battle of the somme 
and there, there are other movies that have talked about it there's the um uh the trench with daniel craig and there's there's movies that have talked about the battle of the somme but not no no really good ones and th this is so close to almost being that but it's still as much as i like it and i think it still works as a movie it still is a docudrama documentary movie um and so i can't i can't give it the five unfortunately it was very educational it was it's also you know there's a lot of documentaries i like um but you know there's always that kind of stigma that documentaries are boring will put you to sleep like there you know there are people out there that watch documentaries because they like documentaries i think this is a documentary that even a person who's not big into like education can get into like if you just like war films or if you like action films i think this is a documentary you can get into just in the oh, way yeah. that's it's just the way that's presented also like we said at the beginning this is a documentary that it is one or two steps away from just being an outright you know dramatic film in its own right yeah you know totally you, if you subtract the narrator and then just add a couple of other scenes to it you have a solid solid war movie yeah de um, definitely I, I agree 100 percent. yeah i think for that and especially for a film that was produced in 2005 you know you take this in comparison to other documentaries that are made in 2005 or even other actual like big budget war movies in 2005 this is this is a very well done film um so for that i will i'll give it five sister oh, pictures nice but there, there's a caveat the the fifth sister picture like the the corners are ripped off and it, the, the picture itself <laughs> has been kind of crumpled like it's been in the bottom of a backpack or something yeah <laughs> so it's like a, a four or five if you will that's all right though that's okay it's done all right there that's not too bad so jack does does rotten tomatoes have a, a rating for this or is it just imdb so, or I, I couldn't find anything on rotten tomatoes for this movie but i did find an imdb and the imdb rating is 7.3 out of 10. okay so that's yeah it's Similar. I think I think it's a, a teeny bit on the low side, but you know it's it's pretty close to what we were thinking. It's one of those things. It's one of those things where it's exactly like you started. So I think if somebody is looking for a war movie about World War One and they can't find one, I think if they watch this, they wouldn't be disappointed, right? And that's that's not bad because a lot of the times, if you want a war movie and you watch a documentary. You might think, oh, it's a good documentary, but it isn't the war movie I was looking for. But I think somebody who wants that, they 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 wouldn't come away feeling like they've watched a an out and out war movie. But they would. I don't think they'd be disappointed with watching this. And and hopefully, hopefully your podcast gets some people to go watch it. Right. Right. I think it's I think it's a good bridge between the two separate genres. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So now that we've we've done our review, Rob, I will uh, I'll leave the floor to you to share your your different social media accounts, projects where people can find your work. Uh, if there's anything coming up that you want the people to know about the uh, floor is yours. 
Cool. Yeah, cool. So, um, thank you. So the, uh, yeah, look, history, history in your hand is my, um, is my thing. If you can, you can find it on, on YouTube. Um, specifically it's the, it's history in your hand, 1787, you can find it under, um, but if you just search history in your hand, I, I think you probably will find me. Um, history in your hand is my tag on Instagram where I do a load of stuff. I do loads of reels and shorts and stuff on there, which, uh, which are interesting history in your hand on TikTok, uh, history underscore hand on Twitter uh, or X, I should say, if you want to find me over there. Um, and yeah, I, I make a, a whole host of World War One, World War Two, primarily um, videos and uh, lots of things that relate to TV shows. I've done loads of stuff that relates to Band of Brothers, if you're a fan of that, um, especially lots of shorts kind of showing the real places that were depicted in Band of Brothers, which I enjoy making. Um, and I'm going to carry on doing that stuff. I've got a really exciting trip coming up in October where I'm going to um, Austria to uh, the Birch's Garden and the Eagle's Nest um, with with Matt and We Happy Few 5 or 6 you mentioned earlier. Definitely be making some some more Band of Brothers related stuff up there. And then um, later on in the year, I'm going to Verdun, which is um, another whole section of World War One content. So if you like history and you like Band of Brothers, TV shows, things like that, check, check it out if you're interested. Awesome. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Jack, did, did we have anybody on the schedule next week? I don't think so. I thought you had something lined up. Uh, I didn't. Is it your turn or my turn? I think it's your turn. Okay. Um, seeing as it is my turn, I actually have a choice that will include a great opportunity for our listeners i'm going to go with 2011's the devil's double ah what's that it is a movie about a guy who fought in the iran iraq war and then when he gets back home he uh basically gets forced into becoming a body double for one of saddam hussein's uh sons wow this looks like an interesting movie <laughs> it's funny you mention that because Earlier this week, I fell down an insomnia-driven Wikipedia rabbit hole where I read about Saddam Hussein, uh, Saddam Hussein's son, Uday, and his Wikipedia page reads like a fucking Far Cry villain. Like, Yeah, he wasn't, he, he wasn't a great guy. He gifted, he gifted his dad gold-plated AK-47s. He would demand people party with him and shoot at their feet if he didn't think they were dancing enough. And just uh, other insanity like that. <laughs> so with this movie choice, uh, I shared this with Jack a little bit ago, but uh, Rob, were you ever familiar with uh, the baseball card company called Tops? Oh, yeah. Yeah, f funny enough, I used to collect their their basketball cards back back uh, when I was younger. I'm a big 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 NBA fan, so yeah, no, I, I know them. Yeah. So in the mid '90s, they came out with a series that was it was literally a Gulf War trading card series. Oh um, wow! <laughs> yep, and it had like all the different generals and like different cards. Like you could get like a an Abrams tank card or like a general Norman Schwarzkopf card. Um, something that's become a little bit of a meme recently is uh, P 
people have started rebuying these packs of cards because everybody has been hunting or searching for the it's air quotes, but they're calling it the Saddam Hussein rookie card. <laughs> okay. Wow. So uh, in my possession, I have the Saddam Hussein rookie card. Uh, so as of this episode, I will have a post up on our social medias. Uh, the condition is, is that you like the armchair commander's Instagram page and then share the post and you will be entered in to potentially win the Saddam Hussein rookie card from the Tops trading card company. And we will announce the winner during the uh, release of the Devil's Double review. Sounds cool. Hey, Rob, if, like so, that. Rob, if you're interested in a Saddam Hussein rookie card, share the post. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing it, definitely. <laughs> So, anything else, Jack? Um, I think that's it. All righty. Well, I appreciate everybody joining us. Rob, again, thank you so much for coming with us. If anybody would like additional content from us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Armchair Commanders Podcast. We also have a YouTube channel called History Prentice. If you don't like that the name is different, deal with it. <laughs> um, until next week, I have been John. And I have been Jack. And I'm Rob. <laughs> and we will catch you next week. Bye.